Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. It is interesting with, uh, with air travel. Um, for all the money we spend on it, how it's really gotten to the point where the whole experience is, for the most part, miserable. Like, it's very rare that somebody go to the airport, land at their destination, and go, you know what, that was a lot of fun. Mm. Like, we are just so into the airport, head down, flights are delayed, you know, you get off, you wait forever at the carousel, the, the flights themselves, for the most part, unless you're sitting in business class and you've upgraded in some way, that, you know, the, the, it, I've been more comfortable on subway seats. Like, it's to the point now with a, a lot of the, it's basically like a little uh, bar stool you're sitting on at this stage. Right. And it's really totally uncomfortable and, and not fun in any way. And it doesn't seem like airlines really care. I mean, we were trying to, our government was trying to have a, a meeting with all the heads of airlines to discuss why our travel was so bad over the holidays. And Air Canada basically went, nah, we're not coming to this well, meeting. They're, yeah, they're having that sit down, I think, today. But you know, I think part of the problem with, with this now are, is our expectation for things. And expectation versus the cost that we pay for it, right? Well, still, you fly anywhere for a couple of grand. You expect something better than being treated like a piece of uh, cattle. Well, but you are a piece of cattle. You literally are. It's a cattle mover going from one place to the next. But travel wasn't like that in the past. It wasn't before, but also our expectations were were somewhat different before in the sense that, you know, for all the advances that we've had in technology, and there's lots along the airplane, but not in the cabin necessarily, mm. outside of the business class and the pods and that sort of thing and, and adding televisions to the seats themselves, mm-hmm. right? But we are so accustomed to technology advancing things to make them faster, mm. uh, more convenient, and cheaper for us. And those three things haven't necessarily happened in the airline industry. The flight isn't you know, much faster than it was 20 years ago. Certainly faster than it was 70 years ago, mm-hmm. but not when it was when it was 20 years ago. Uh, it still takes you the same amount of time to get from one A to B in on these things. In terms of the uh, the comfort and convenience, sure, there's been little upgrades in terms of personal things. The cam- the the, uh, the the TVs and the the selection of movies. I mean, there was a time you got stuck with the one movie going one way and mm. one movie going the other way, and that was it. You didn't have a choice. You were watching what everyone was watching. Yeah, but at least back then the flight actually I don't know left on time instead of being six hours delayed. And when you landed, your luggage for the most part was there, and you'd have uh, the flight attendants going up and down the aisles serving drinks like there was a real kind of nicety to it listen if i wanted to ride on a greyhound bus because i'll tell you what that's what air flight is now it's a greyhound bus in the air and again it comes down to cost effectiveness i'm not disagreeing with you necessarily but our expectations are that we should be able to fly anywhere and it'd be the same experience and the same price every time we go and it's just not the reality of it is there's a million flights in the air and you know there was a time that if you wanted to go to new brunswick you'd fly to quebec city and you drive the rest of the way and now we need not only one flight to new brunswick a day there's got to be seven of them and so for the airlines i can see their problem is is that they've got a they've got a pinch on that and part of the 
you know, coming out of this whole holiday thing has been the rhetoric that, okay, the government has to get out of the airlines. You know, it's because the government's running it and it's not a private business. Well, look at WestJet and what happens when things go wrong for a private business. They just shut it down, mm-hmm. right? When it's run by the government, they don't have an option to shut it down. So if you want to have a flight to Nunavut, right, you, you better have the government running things and you're going to have to give up some things in order to have a flight to everywhere that you go. Well, they shut that one down. Right. for the winter time. So the government does shut some things down. Look, I'm just saying in the grand scheme of air travel, more often than not, it's miserable. More often than not. I, I, I can't remember the last time I met somebody and they said, it's just, it was just so easy. You I know, think travel in general is miserable. Like eh, it, what, but it doesn't have to. Anyhow, the whole... Look it. Look around an airport. It is not a dance. Nobody's happy. No. If you, you, me, all of us, we get delayed. If you were trying to get to Denver this weekend and your flight's delayed, there's going to be somebody I know whose head is going to be popping Absolutely. off his shoulders. But that's on me. Uh, for a lot of it, that's uh, that's also... You didn't delay the flight. No, but I also expect things to happen instantly now. Everyone does. We we can't, if we're if I'm delayed ten seconds at the drive through, I'm stomping. I'm not right? talking ten seconds, Lucky. I'm I talking understand. four hours. Look at when we went down to St. Kitts, the the flight. All of a sudden, there's a mechanical issue with the plane. All right, are you trying to tell me that a flight that leaves at eleven a.m. you didn't know at six a.m. you you weren't doing pre planning on this stuff? You don't have enough systems, checks and balances in place to go. Oh. It's 6 a.m. and we notice this plane's missing a bolt. I guess we should order one. No, five minutes before the plane's supposed to take off. Sorry, we've got a problem. Yeah, but you don't know what that was. Well, it, it could be that it could have been a computer. It could have been a computer update that had to happen, and you can't take off without that happening. Wow. But your patience level has changed to the sense that no, listen, I understand four hour delay is ridiculous, and 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 people are going to be upset by it. At the same time, getting up in the air and having a plane that isn't working properly probably isn't a good thing either. Of course not. But look at all the luggage that got left, you know, at the carousels. Are you trying to tell me that's normal? Like I know COVID, it caused all sorts of problems. People didn't want. To go back to work it seems to me like there's just uh, in the in the air travel business it is going right down the toilet and getting worse all the time that's yeah. all well and, and I, listen I, again i agree with you there are way too many delays way but i and uh, and problems that happen that sometimes are are controllable right if you just had enough staff and you had enough you know people mm. running things but at the same time i think the the our Traveler, as a traveler, we're expecting things to work at the speed that everything else does. Mm, I don't know that that's true. I, I just think we we feel like for the amount of money we spend, the, the what we get back in return. And it'll be interesting a year or two or three down the road with you doing more flights for more NHL games. We'll see what your attitude is then when you've been delayed, bumped. Oh, yeah. You know, well, again, you, I tell you, it sucks. It's just sometimes... Delays happen. Sometimes they do happen. We expect things to run seamlessly oh, every time we go to. Aren't them. you easy go lucky? <laughs> easy go lucky will not be the lucky we know when he gets delayed. <laughs> Your pally's Craig and Lucky back together once again. When Lucky's not chasing possums out of his uh, driveway, he's uh, chasing the Ottawa Senators and the Winnipeg Jets around uh, Canada and the U.S. You were just in uh, Denver and uh, St. Louis. How was uh, that? Yes. Uh, Denver, Denver, very nice, actually. Not a great game. Not a nice game, though. Not a great game. Uh, no, I, uh, and, and DJ Smith, the Ottawa's head coach, is a very superstitious guy. And I've known him for years. He was 
Oscars head coach in Oshawa here as, as well. So uh, I'd worked with him for quite some time. And knowing how superstitious he was, I considered getting a bucket of chicken to sacrifice the bird, kind of like, <laughs> kind of like Major League, because I think they're now 0-6 with me calling games yeah, it's this not season. not good. Um, but listen, I'm not the one on the ice. Mm. <laughs> that's Maybe not, you should be. That's not my concern. Maybe that's their problem. Maybe they could add you to the lineup. <sighs> the, overall, I mean, the trip was uh, the trip was fun. A bit yeah. of a whirlwind. Like when you realize when you look at the map on the plane, you realize how far you've traveled, mm. like, like across the con- halfway across the continent, basically. Then back to through St. Louis, Denver, really, really uh, a pretty city because you you wake up and you have the mountains in the background mm. and the white cap mountains. The city was was clean and, and really nice to get around. St. Louis, not so much. Oh, really? Eh? Well, it's just it, we, you know when you're staying right in the downtown, the rink in that downtown core. It was a long weekend, right? Right. It was MLK weekend in, in the states, so like downtown was like desolate. There's nothing going on. And in the area of this hotel, just it looks like a lot of empty buildings, like mm. office space that just had been abandoned and like boarded up windows and doors and, and and on what looked like really really nice buildings. It was kind of crazy to see. So no St. Louis ballet for you? Uh no, no. Any Denver that. ballet? No, no ballets. What the hell do you do in between games? Uh, well, I mean, the problem is you fly in in the morning. Yeah. You go to the rink, you go back to the hotel, prep, go back to the rink, and that's about it. You hit one bar on the way out, and that's... I could have slid through a ballet. <laughs> Quick dance. <laughs> right. You know, hi, how are you? <laughs> now, every uh, American city seems to be known for some sort of food thing. St. Louis, I believe, known for their uh, wings and uh, ribs and barbecue and yes. all that. Did you get uh, any uh, St. Louis wings in nope, you? none of it. Wow. Did, well, the, here's the thing. No be- ballet, no wings. Because from the walk from the hotel to the rink, there was no restaurants. Like, oh, the, really? like a pizza joint, and that was it. Mm. We did find uh, a calzone place called uh, Sauce on the Side. And, okay. And so each calzone that they serve has like a signature sauce that they put on the side of it as well. This is in St. Louis? Yeah, in right. St. Louis. And it was featured on like a Food Network thing. They had this like, you could get... Like a macaroni and cheese stuffed calzone that was one of these wild creation adventures. So what did you put back? What did you have? I put back uh, basically, it was called Meat Me oh, in shocked. St. Louis. Shock the full on meat. The full on meat. And, uh, <laughs> and a meat sauce on the side, too. It was quite filling. How, how much uh, meat was in this bad boy? Like, what uh, kind of meats were in it? Pepperoni, sausage, uh, the same, you know, uh, the usuals. Yeah. Nothing uh, nothing too straying there. But then it had, like, a, a blend of, like, five cheeses that was in of there. Of course it does. It kind of felt like, um, like, as I was eating it, like, this would be like gum. Like, this was going to sit in my stomach mm. for seven years <laughs> afterwards. You're going to start looking very American-esque. It could be. In the near future. Could be. So what's Denver known for, then? I don't, like, I don't know. So for getting high, right? Isn't that, yes. Um, I don't know. We, we kind of, they have a really kind of cool scene, though. It, it just, it's nice that, you know, as much as we talk about the city, how it would be nice to have roads shut down for bike paths and, and walking. Right. And as a driver in a city, you're annoyed as hell by that. Right. Um, they have a lot of those. Like these boulevards and, and uh, streets that are, just bricked and and shut down for walking and for scooters. It's scooters everywhere that you can just rent with an app and a tap and you go you scoot around the city. Did you scoot? I didn't scoot. There's no, no scooting. There's no wings. No. There's no. I walked ballet. everywhere. 
Well, you had to walk off that calzone. That's, that's true. I have a, a neighbor of mine uh, is a huge Denver Broncos fan, and every year he goes he goes down for at least one game. And mm-hmm. he said around the Broncos, it's just so much fun. Yeah, it's just a there, real party a whole, atmosphere. Uh, the rink's not too far from there; it's, it's across the highway, I think. And like you could see. Um, uh, was not called Mile High Stadium anymore, mm. but you could see the stadium, and there was a big like carnival or kind of a theme park uh, down there as well. Did you go to that? There's a lot going on. No, I don't have time for that. I'm even working. <laughs> like he's like Doctor Doolittle now, talking to all the animals. Oh my goodness! And you, you listen. I, I like uh, I like what you did here. It was smart thinking. Instead of going and spending a fortune on a puppy, you just went and uh, found yourself a free possum. Uh I I don't know if I've ever encountered a possum before. Yeah. Um but last night uh Adrian had uh, left to go to a meeting and and uh I was taking the boys to hockey. A meeting with a divorce lawyer? Uh, yeah, it could be. Um <laughs> <laughs> Not with a vet. Uh, uh so she spun out about 20 minutes before we did and uh and we were of course scrambling to get hockey equipment and stuff out to the car. Uh, and Christian ran out first and then ran right back in the house and said, Dad, there's a possum in the driveway. I'm impressed that he even knew it was a possum. Right. Would, like you, I wouldn't know what the hell it was. This thing is a big rat. Well, and you know, he just said it. It had a long tail. Mm. Like, okay. And so, of course, I've got to now go out. And we were going to take the dogs. So I was like, listen, keep the dog inside because it's the last thing I need is the coop getting into some scrap on the driveway. Uh, and I, you know, walked out and I was like, okay, well, where is this thing? First and foremost, I have no idea what I'm walking into. And I get around my car and sure enough, right in the middle of our driveway, is this massive rat. Oh, um, and, and it was Gross. kind of facing the other direction. You could just see the back. I could see this pink tail, uh, long, wiry tail. And so, you know, I stomped a few times and yelled at it and, and just trying to get its attention to see if it's alive, mm-hmm. right? Knowing, you know, in the back of my mind, I remember, don't possums just play dead when they're scared? Yeah, I looked it up, and they do, or they hiss at you. This started to hiss. Once I got it to turn, and I I didn't even want to look at it. It it is, like, a really gross-looking animal. It's, like, whitey pink face and these nasty, gnarly teeth, and it's hissing. Uh, (laughs) And so... And so I ended up taking a picture of it. And And after I took the picture and the flash went, I realized... It looked like it was hurt, like Uh-oh. injured. And so I texted Adrian. I said, you know, by any chance, when you left the driveway, do you happen to feel something, a little bump? It would be a good bump. <sighs> I don't know. Or maybe she just got its tail. Caught I, the I end don't it, maybe, know. Yeah. Um, uh, if it was, she said no. And and, uh, and she had actually st- stopped in the car adjusting a mirror or something like that before uh, she took off. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, wasn't sure why it would be under there still. You'd figure it'd be scared or spooked once the uh, once the car started. Or but, it would have made a hissing noise if it got hit. Like, you think she might have heard something. But I don't I don't hmm, know. Who knows? But, uh, who knows? And, and so anyway, uh, I'm left to deal with this thing <laughs> in the driveway. And and we're running late. we got to get the hockey. I said to the kids, I was like, listen, like, go. Don't avoid it. Just get in the car on the right. other side. Let's scooch across. Uh, and uh, and hit it from the dog and, and got him in the car. And then, you know, just said, listen, 
let me know if it's starting to scurry underneath the car as I'm running because I didn't want to. F- Maybe I could have finished it off. Who knows? <laughs> Good eats. We yeah. should ask Ted later. <laughs> cook up a possum. So nevertheless, I I I left the driveway and then called the city. Mm. Right, and it's kind of after hours. They do have an emergency line you can call. And and ask like, what do I do with this thing? It's sitting in my driveway. It looks like it's injured. Can you can you help out? And the answer was, they could if I was home and had it contained. Well, what are you? Well, I have Some no kind idea. Of, uh, working at the African Lions yeah, Safari, stand around and talk to it. I'm, I, I said I, I can't be home. I we're out. Um, so thankfully, I have a friend of mine who she works in Byline called Laura, and she said, Ah, yeah, we'll we'll take care of it. Oh, and I don't know how they do it. The people who come I, and scoop up dead animals. Yeah, I don't know what exactly happened. All I know is when I got home at the after hockey later, it wasn't there. And I, like I pulled into the driveway, I put the like pulled in forward, put yeah. the bright lights on, like looking all around, thinking, "Oh God, where did this thing scurry <laughs> to and die? <laughs> what, am I, what am I going to find?" I wonder, you know, it's funny, we look at animals like that and we, we describe them as gross and ugly. You wonder if he had scurried off back to his possum friends and said, you're not going to believe this human I saw. Ugly as the day is long. Tall? Gangly? Those humans are gross. <laughs> look who joins us. The godfather of the grill. It's Ted Reader for Holinda's Meats. Good morning, Ted. Good morning, Craig. Good morning, Lucky. Morning, Ted. How are you? I'm vertical, man. Having a good day. That's what we need. We need you vertical. I never want to hear the day when they say, Ted, horizontal. Ted, uh, I got to ask you. I was just, uh, we were just talking about this. I was traveling uh, last weekend uh, to Denver and St. Louis, and we know St. Louis is famous for for barbecue and for for ribs. What the hell is Denver famous for food wise? Uh, Oh, I was just going to say marijuana. (laughs) 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 They are that. I did, well, there is the Denver omelet, right? You can get that. That's a classic diner food, the Denver omelet. The Denver omelet. The Denver would be steak country. Okay. Beef, steak, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, river trout is always a nice thing. But steak would be what I would classify there. Uh, Ted, uh, Lucky Lucky also wants to know what he can and uh, how he can grill up a, a dead possum. Oh. Uh, what's, uh, what's the trick to eating a possum? <laughs> ah, well, uh, <laughs> remove the tail, <laughs> save it for flossing. <laughs> You're going to need it. <laughs> actually, something something else that seems odd to eat, but you claim is one of your favorite foods. I saw this on Instagram. Tendons. Where the hell does one buy tendons? Uh, I pick them up in the Asian markets, okay. uh, and they're usually in the freezer section. And you can get uh, beef tendons and pork tendons, but I prefer to buy beef tendons. And they are, uh, you know, if, if you ever go for Vietnamese food, mm-hmm. noodle and soup. Yeah. And uh, sometimes you'll get this gelatinous meat-like substance that's in your soup. Oh, that's tendon. That, that's tendon. Oh. And so you cook it for a very long time, slowly, and it gets super, super tender. Oh, very good. It has the texture, a little bit of a texture of jello. Let's put it that way. Okay. Very, uh, very good for your fingernails and your hair and your joints and uh, just a very, very tasty piece of meat. So the way that I, I had posted a picture, I think, on my yeah. on my social media. So I was making uh, beef stock. I bought some beef bones and I was making beef stock. But to give that stock a little bit more texture in, and flavor, I take tendons and I add it into the, the stock and then you cook it 
for a long period of time, and I, I think I went overnight, like 12 to 16 hours. And then I pulled out the tendons and let them cool, and they firm up. But then when I and then I backpack them and I put them in my freezer. So when I'm making noodle and soup at home, I pull out a few little pieces of tendon and then warm it up and slice it and put it into the soup, hmm. and it's really amazing. Or you can take them out, salt them, and throw them on the grill. Or you can even bread them and fry them, but it's not really necessary. Just on their own, they're just beautiful. Can we just go back to the steak in Denver? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lucky's hurling over there. He's like, do we really have to talk about tendons? Tendons? Yeah, they look kind of like... Next he's going to want to make them spicy tendons, and that's just Lucky's completely out. Right. <laughs> Speaking of spicy, I saw, and we could, I'm sure uh, Lucky could get into this with a little less spice, your spicy pork tenderloin. I saw you uh, grilling that up on your uh, YouTube channel. Uh, that looked really, really good. Can you uh, give us a, some tips on how to do a spicy pork tenderloin? Oh, that was the, the scruffed pork tenderloin. Mm-hmm. So uh, you take the, the pork tenderloin and you butterfly it. So slice it about three-quarters of the way down the middle of the length of it, fold it open, and then cut it open a little bit further, pound it out so that it's one nice uniform piece. Then you take the tip of the knife. Remember how we talk, talked about that with the flank steak? Yes. Scruffing the flank steak. Okay, so you yeah. Take the tip of the knife and you slice it across the grain in, in an X pattern. And then scruff it all up and then season it with uh, uh, barbecue seasoning. Rub. I use my bone dust or my spicy bone dust. And then it's hot and fast on the grill. It doesn't take long at all. It takes minutes to cook, uh, four to five minutes at the most per side. You want to cook that tenderloin until it's uh, medium at the most. Okay. And anything, it starts to dry out. Pork tenderloin's extremely lean. So it's a hot, fast cook. And it's an easier cook than trying to keep it as a whole piece. And you're thinking, oh, am I going to get it to be medium rare? Just treat it like a steak at that point. It's on, it's hot, it's fast, and off. All right, yeah, and so yeah, and I like the way you served it up too, because normally with a pork tenderloin or anything like that, you cut off chunks at a time. But you sliced it up like a pizza pie, basically four big pieces, so everybody gets like a basically a pork tenderloin steak. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. Cut it and then enjoy it that way, or you can chop it up fine and use it in a taco. And and there's multiple different uses for that. It's great on a sandwich. And you know, Ted, just quickly, that's that's scruffing. The idea is to just give it some texture, right? gives it some texture and some nooks and crannies. And so when it grills, you know, you get little crispy bits, you get tender bits, you get the flavor gets all into the meat everywhere. You're not just putting it on the surface of the meat. With these little slashes, you're getting right into the meat. Perfect. And so you get more flavor out of it. And it's a hot, fast, easy cook, man. It's a simple recipe. That and a side of possum soup, and you got yourself a dinner. (laughs) Oh, I tell you. I tell you, those possum tails, another great use for the possum tail is earwax removal. (laughs) All right, they firm up just nice, you know. Uh That'll be your next cookbook. Ten readers and 100 100 ways to cook yourself a possum. All right, Teddy, if people want to talk possum or they want to talk uh, tendons or they want to talk spicy pork tenderloin, how do they get a hold of you, my friend? Uh, you're going to find me in social media at Ted Grills or check out my TikTok at Ted Reader, Godfather of the Grill. Well, this is a, a, a good little warning. If you're still working from home and trying to avoid going back to the office, your company could very well be watching everything you do. A, a woman used to work for an accounting firm in Vancouver, and she was recently uh, suing them for wrongful termination. 
She claimed they still owed her about five grand in unpaid wages, but the company countersued and claimed she actually owed them money. Huh? They said she was fired for time theft while working from home or basically not working at all the hours she said she was. And they have proof thanks to a program called Time Camp that was on her work laptop. It's a tracking software that can tell if you're working or not. It can distinguish between work tasks and things like Facebook or watching videos. It showed that in the span of one month last year, she claimed she worked 51 more hours than she really did. Her excuse was she printed out hard copies of documents and was working off of them instead of on her computer. But the company also tracked her printing (laughs) usage, and that wasn't true either. Last Wednesday, the court sided with the company, ordered her to repay over two grand in wages. A judge has given her 30 days to pay up. So, yeah, if you think racing out to pick up your dry cleaning and (laughs) take the kids to the park. (laughs) Let's go tobogganing, Ma. Okay, work will never know. Yeah, they will. Yeah, they will. And I guess there's a lot of companies who are now kind of really putting the screws to people. Like, all right, enough is enough. Get back in the office. That seems to be the, the big push. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think there's that want for many companies, uh, or there's the decision to be made whether or not productivity mm. is enough with people at home to justify not having to pay for office space mm-hmm. because there is a massive savings there too. Sure. Oh, yeah. um, or you know, vice versa, the the productivity isn't there, and so it's worth paying for the office space to have them in. And there, I'm sure there are some bosses, managers, owners who are just saying. I don't like this. I want to be able to see if they're working or not. There is a big push uh, with work from young people to stop giving two weeks notice when they quit. A bunch of people uh, seem to agree with this on TikTok. Their argument is that companies don't give you a two-week notice when you're fired or laid off. So why help them out just so they have time to replace you? Yeah, but well, they but when you get fired, they give you a severance package. I was going to say that is your two weeks' notice. You get your final two weeks' pay or You're whatever. Being paid not to be yeah. there. Yeah, I know it's so ridiculous. And here's the other thing too: if you decide that you're going to quit a job because a you found another job, a better job, then why wouldn't you leave on good terms? You've been with this company for however long. Why wouldn't you give them two weeks' notice and shake hands and go? Th- because you're burning a bridge, right? And there's not many bridges in the in the work world, and people know each other, and it's certainly with social media. And on that note, if you're quitting and just storming out because you're pissed at the company, and then you go online and say, ha, screw them, I just walked out, then the, your next employer can go look at that and say, well, this dude doesn't seem easy to work with. You know what's funny is if, all right, let's, let's play that scenario. You're leaving, mm. right, and you don't want to give the two weeks notice. Well, if you're not doing that, it's because you're going straight to another job. Right. Right. And you're walking in there the next day and you want to start right away. Which means for the past two weeks, probably two months, mm. you really haven't been giving much effort to the no. job that you're doing already. No, and you knew you were leaving. <laughs> You've been looking elsewhere trying to get out of there. Yeah. So let's let's face it, you haven't really been giving them your all. Right. And and even if you you know, you did give that two weeks, that two weeks is usually transitioning to someone else taking over your job. It's right. not it's not much of a work. Yeah. those last two weeks. And just finalizing some things. And you get to rub it in everyone's face. I, I was just going to say that, especially if you're moving on to a new, greater gig. Oh, yeah. Like when you finally leave here and go to Rogers full-time, I want your ass out that door. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear about the perks. 
I don't want to hear about the good stuff. I want you gone. Because I can't take it. <laughs> yeah, it's... I'll have to complain. I'll complain for you. Oh, yes. Oh, the flight delay. Oh, I had to stay at a five-star Marriott or a four-star. Why can't they put me up at a five-star? <laughs> oh, do they know who I think I am? <laughs> now, if you are at work today, your most productive time is at 10.22 a.m., and then it's all downhill from there. (laughs) The average office worker is most productive around 10.22 a.m. We hit our first big slump at 1.27 p.m., and then another one at 2.06. It's also been found that we tend to feel the most drained on Mondays and Fridays. The top things that can drain us in a typical workday are too much time in front of a computer, getting interrupted by colleagues, not taking your breaks. In general... It is said we feel more productive, though, working in an office, while few feel like they're getting much done working from home. So. Hmm. wonder what it is about 1022. Is that just before a first break or after it? I yeah. wonder if it, I, 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 would, I would guess it's probably after it. People getting into the office just before 9, mm. something like that. They kind of just get themselves situated, check some email, and then take a break. And the second they come back from that, they're their most productive for the day. Yeah, or perhaps it's the um like the sugar high is worn off from your from your coffee that right. you had on your way in and Or maybe you just realize at that point I probably should actually get down to some work. <laughs> <laughs> I've done nothing for the first hour and a half yeah. I've been here. Oh yeah. Well so many, right? Come in, check email, sure. Mostly your personal email. Right. <laughs> check Facebook, check Twitter, <laughs> have your breakfast at the desk. Rock mornings with, with Craig Ben and Lucky. Lucky. 949 The Rock.